you really want to start with what are the business questions that I need answers to? And that could be things along the lines of which customers are most likely to purchase a particular product, which customers are likely to defect. Um, of these customers that I have today, how can I find lookalikes of them for customer acquisition so I can grow my customer base? Right. And once you've identified those questions, your uh, your analyst team should be able to figure out some of the answers and identify a target population. Data seems to be what every marketer wants and can never get enough of. Understanding what data you need then begs the question, what do I do with it now that I have it? Adam Fox was the former vice president of marketing for Petco, and he shares the key questions that he asked himself to acquire a 360 degree view of his customer and how improving his foundational data reduced Petco's customer inquiries by 30%. Hear how Petco leveraged this data to learn their customer base and improve customer satisfaction. Listen up. Hey everybody, this is Brittany with Basis of Growth, and I have with me today Adam Fox. And Adam, I'm gonna go ahead and let you just uh, give us a little introduction about yourself and history, and we'll get into our conversation further. Great, Brittany, great to join you today. Um, as Brittany mentioned, my name is Adam Fox. I am a consumer marketer. I've worked in uh, the retail and technology industries primarily, uh, most recently with Teradata, where I've been a consulting director working with clients on some of their data-driven marketing solutions. Mm -hmm. I've also worked with a couple of retailers, uh, Petco uh, here in San Diego, as well as Mervyn's department stores in a variety of uh, marketing roles, including media, digital marketing, data, and marketing technology. Awesome. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Petco. And while you were there, you were able to create and implement an enterprise customer data strategy that delivered cross-channel analytics and a 360-degree view of the customer. And that resulted in a significant amount of customer retention. I'm really curious as to, first of all, what did that do to your career? Um. What did it do to my career? I, I, I don't know what it, what it did to my career other than to say that it was a, uh, a very valuable experience, uh, certainly a big challenge. A lot of companies talk about customer 360, and I think it is still very largely an ideal that uh, we're all working towards. It's constantly changing. There are new sources of data every, every day, whether it's uh, from devices, uh, device types like mobile, uh, certainly Internet of Things and and more uh, devices like wearables that tell you more about your customers. So I don't think the work of customer 360 is ever done, but it certainly from a career standpoint gave me a lot more exposure to not only the different types of data that is out there, but how companies are using them to get a better understanding of who the customer is so that we can better market to those customers and meet their needs. Yeah. Um, what strategies did you use to arrive at that complete 360 degree view? Well, we started with a pretty broad, uh, broad scope of, of all of the data that we would want about our customers from a number of different channels. And so that encompassed our traditional brick and mortar channels, which is folks that come into a Petco store. We have a lot of customer data at Petco just based on having the, uh, the PALS loyalty program. And so we looked at that. We looked at what we wanted from our digital channels. Uh, we looked at what we'd want to know about, um, about pets. Uh, about the pets that people owned. And we figured out what was most important. 
and what was going to get us where we wanted to go faster. And you can't get to 360 degrees all at once. So it is about figuring out what is the most important, um, getting that first, and then continuing to iterate and build on that and continuously improve every day. What worked for you guys? Like, what did you find out was super important that you needed to know? Uh, certainly, any of these. Yeah, certainly, certainly purchase behavior is always uh, is always an important one. Uh, it's important uh, in the pet space to know what type of uh, what type of pets uh, a customer owns, uh, what products they buy. Uh, geography becomes important for certain types of products that are more seasonally oriented. Uh, we always, like most retailers, want to know what they've been doing on the website. Um, you know, do they abandon? What do they buy? How frequently do they buy? Yeah. Uh, we would feed that information to uh, to our data science team, uh, and they would run all sorts of models to figure out what customers were likely to do. Yeah, were there was there any kind of personalization that was involved with that once you actually had them on your website? Yeah, you know, personalization. It's funny is another one of those those buzzwords that I think everyone is aspiring to that I don't think um, will ever perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think yeah, we we did try to to get more personalized and and figure out based on knowing who you are at a point in time, whether that's someone walking into a physical retail location or someone uh, visiting us on web or on mobile, who you are and and what information did we have that we could utilize to meet your needs at a given point in time. Yeah. Were there any um, tools that you couldn't have like lived without during this like this evolution of that viewpoint that you were able to acquire? I don't believe there's ever a tool that that you can't live without. Um, there is there are thousands and thousands of marketing technologies out there. Um, there's a uh, there's a prominent blogger, Chief Martech, who uh, who chronicles the growth of Martech from two 2000- thousand. Election when there were 300 some vendors to today where there's over 6,000 marketing technology vendors out there. Mm-hmm. And I think what's critical for anyone in the space is to figure out what capabilities you need and then match the technologies to the capabilities that you need. For us, there there wasn't a particular one that we uh, that we had to utilize. We definitely needed some data warehousing um, work to uh, make sure that we can can store and transform the data appropriately. Uh, there were analytics um, programs that we needed, like uh, like R, in order to uh, to analyze the data, and mm-hmm. then uh, tools that we needed to move the data into the appropriate channels so that business users could could use it to target customers. Yeah. So I'm curious. Most companies aren't able to acquire such a complete viewpoint of their customer. What what do you recommend doing with with that knowledge and that data once you have it? So I would I would think of it first as get the foundational data structure correct mm-hmm. and figure out the data you need and and in what format do you need it? Do you need to look at certain things on a weekly basis? Are other fields uh, less critical to look look at that frequently? For instance, demographic information doesn't change that much. On the other hand, there are things that you're going to want to look at more frequently. So what you're seeing in a lot of industries now, including retail and financial services, is um, companies want to get information real time. So it's critical for them to know where you are at a, at a given point in time because your purchase decision, if you're on a website, could be made in a matter of seconds. You start from those foundational components of, of what information do you need when. And then you start to think about, okay, what am I going to 
do with that information. That's when you get into analyzing the data. And I think from an analytics standpoint, you really want to start with what are the business questions that I need answers to? And that could be things along the lines of which customers are most likely to purchase a particular product, which customers are likely to defect. Um, of these customers that I have today, how can I find lookalikes of them for customer acquisition so I can grow my customer base? Right. And once you've identified those questions, your uh, your analyst team should be able to figure out some of the answers and identify a target population. You move into, okay, how am I going to interact with these customers and what tools will I use to do that? And those yeah. could be from uh, your email service provider to um, yeah to a DMP to paid social to even traditional uh, traditional marketing direct mail etc. Uh, I think it all comes down to who your customer is and how do they want to interact with you and where are they most likely to be receptive to messaging from your company. Yeah, what tools do you currently wish that you had in your marketing stack to activate and use this data for more relevancy? Well, um, if I could, if I could project back on uh, on former places of employment, um, I think a, a DMP or and it's what's evolving into a, a CDP or a customer data platform is becoming. Yeah because those customer data platforms are starting to um, really marry uh, your first party data with your third party data and take everything from website visits to purchase behavior to what folks do elsewhere on the internet and, uh, and, and get that one customer profile that encompasses known and unknown visitors. So I, I think that's an emerging technology that um, I think is becoming more critical and mm -hmm. I think back, gosh, would I love to have had that three to five years ago? Absolutely. <laughs> so um, you led a loyalty data and technology initiative, which reduced customer inquiries by 30%. Mm -hmm. Did personalization help to bring about any of those results? Um, not so much. What helped bring those results was getting really focused on our foundational data. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of legacy systems from, from many, many years ago that weren't necessarily uh, governed in the correct way. And as a result, we had a lot of duplicate and incorrect data. And so what we had to do was a lot of essentially forensic detective work to figure out which data was right, which was wrong, which feeds needed to be altered in order to make sure that we were getting the right information and in a timely fashion. But it was really focused on how do we reduce complaints? And we looked at why were customers calling our call center to complain with regard to loyalty? And a lot of it had to do with account information. So that's where we focused. And uh, there wasn't anything um, you know, r really sexy about it. It was just, hey, these are where the problems are. We're going to try and figure out how to fix them. That's awesome. Um I know that I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about team. And I'm curious, how did you get your team on board to push for all of your growth goals that you had? Is it about being proactive instead of letting the market land you wherever it does? Or how did you, how do you navigate that with your team? I was very fortunate to have a team that believed in where we were going and was very focused on delivering great customer experience. Um, marketers, I think, in general, tend to be more tuned into brand and experience, and so it's it's typically not 
much of a challenge to to get them there. I think the critical thing with working in teams is making sure that the team understands the uh, business consequences of the strategy that you're selecting and, and having them understand that what we're doing today is going to result in an X percent improvement in something over here tomorrow and really make sure that you're aligning the work activity to something where they can see meaningful value. I think people want to go to work and feel like they're contributing and making the company better and making a customer experience better. And so I think to the extent that you can align what folks are doing to the outcomes, uh, that's really how you get your team on board. How did you improve the marketing and the promotional execution process that reduced your promotional store labor by, I believe it was 20%? Yeah. So this is a great example of marketing needing to get out of the, the ivory tower, so to speak, yeah. and really connect with the, the customer experience. So in a retail environment, in the brick and mortar space, the way that you compete against and defend yourself against online players like Amazon and some of the other upstarts in the space is to have a great in-store experience. Mm -hmm. And for a pet retailer like Petco, our focus was trying to figure out how do we keep our store associates, who we call our partners, how do we keep our partners focused on engaging with the customer? In order to do that within the confines of, of, the, of the financial model we had, that meant we had to shift task hours into customer-facing hours. And that meant figuring out for promotions, how do we make our promotions run a lot more smoothly? How do we make it so that there are fewer errors that the store teams have to go out and correct? When you've got over a thousand store locations, one mistake made in headquarters results in that change having to be corrected a thousand times in each of your stores. Right. So we wanted to get better about how we executed. We wanted our promotions to be simpler so that customers could better understand them. Uh, that meant going from having a bunch of individual items on sale in a number of different price formats to very broad, bold statements about certain brands or certain categories being X percent off or X dollars off or set at a, a particular price point. Yeah. Uh, and then we figured out for the for the stores, could we, could we figure out how can they make it so that they can execute these promotions with a single sign versus having a bunch of little tags that they had to hang up all over the store. So um, we focused on that. It involved working with our pricing team and our merchants to focus first and foremost on simplicity and doing what we can to get our, our store partners back in front of the customers and not focused on, on how to execute a promotion. And for us, the, the biggest key was getting people from our support center um, out of that building and making sure that every, every couple weeks at a minimum, they're in the store, they're seeing what our customers are going through, they're seeing what our employees are going through, and they're focused on how am I going to make this experience better for both of those constituents. Yeah. So I heard you mention also that, you know, it's hard to compete when you have a brick and mortar store or a digital online store. It's hard to compete against um, big whole like retailers like Amazon. How did you guys compete against Amazon? Like what techniques and strategies did you use to compete um, from the digital storefront? So are, are you asking how did we compete digitally against, against those yeah, players? Yeah, how did you hold your own? To we never to looked at, we, we never really looked at competition against online only players as 
online versus online. Mm -hmm. We always look at our competitive advantage being the combination of our digital experience plus stores competing against an online company. And so the funny thing is now you see Amazon getting into, uh, they've acquired Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. Um, They've Mm -hmm. opened up their own Amazon bookstores. They've got the Amazon Go concept going in uh, in Seattle with the cashierless store. Um, You've got uh, Bonobos, uh, which is a a clothing retailer that has showrooms. So (laughs) you're seeing the online world realize that there is an advantage to physical locations. And the the name of the game is is not well. Gosh, how does a an online brick a brick and mortar retailer's website compete with Amazon? It is how do you use your entire experience across physical and digital to compete against someone else's online only experience? Yeah, um, I'm curious where you see next as your like your goal for your career, like what would you like to see happen and grow in in that way? For me, it is continuing to evolve in the same way that marketing has evolved. And if you asked me this question five to seven years ago, I would have said, well, I want to be a CMO. And the reality is titles are changing so much and business is changing so much. Uh, The important thing now is to focus on where can you have an impact and what skills do you bring to the table? And it becomes less about this title or or that title. And you're starting to see um, titles in the C-suite, for example, um, that didn't exist 10 years ago, like chief growth officer or chief innovation officer. And so to me, it is more about figuring out what's next in marketing and digital experience and marketing technology and using that to, uh, to build great experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for joining me. I really, um, I appreciate your answering all of my questions and, and talking and just being with us here for Faces of Growth. If you like what you hear, please give us that thumbs up on the Apple podcast app. Also check out our other episodes, including Charlie Cole from Toomey, Jeremiah Andrick from HTC Vive VR, Tom Hennel, formerly with Spartan Race, and Jeff Mosher with Verizon. And if there's anyone that you'd like to nominate to be on Faces of Growth, shoot us an email.